Wellness Within would like to thank our podcast sponsors, Union Pacific and the Kelly Foundation. For over 150 years, Union Pacific Foundation has been committed to building America and improving the standard of life for millions across the country. For decades, the Kelly Foundation has reached out to the community to enhance quality of life through charitable contributions, expressing the importance of being a good neighbor and citizen. Welcome to the Wellness Within Podcast. Today's topic is You Got a Cancer Diagnosis. Now what? My guest is Terry Wolf, registered nurse who specializes in oncology. Terry, before we dive into our conversation today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Elizabeth. Thanks for having me here. I'd be happy to share a little bit of my background as we get into this topic that's really near and dear to my heart. So I've been an oncology nurse most of my nursing career, and nursing's a second career for me. And I can't think of anything else that I'd rather do. So right now I'm managing a smoking cessation program at the UC Davis Comprehensive Cancer Center. And as an aside here, quitting smoking is one of the most important things a cancer patient and family members can do. And there's all kinds of help to get that done. So, but back to myself. So I worked as a writer and a food editor before I went to nursing school. And I really believe in the power of the arts and writing to help patients process difficult life events like cancer. So I have a group that meets regularly. Now we're online and it's open to the community. And so I brought my writing career into my nursing career. So I also offer a writing session here at Wellness Within. And this is not writing and where you were trying... Writing is important. It's just putting the words on the page. And so my stress relief and fun is in writing and also in quilting. I love to work with the bright colors. It just makes me happy. Sometimes we need that in our life. And so a little personal information is I'm married to my high school sweetheart and we have two adult daughters with families of their own. So I'm a grandmother as well. But one of my favorite things to do is to help support cancer patients. So I'm happy to be sharing this conversation today. Well, Terry, I really appreciate you joining us today. We know that you have a lot of experience and I think that you are the perfect person to have a conversation about this topic. And again, our topic is you got a cancer diagnosis, now what? To dive into this topic, one of the first things, and I think it makes sense for a first question, is when you're told, you know, okay, it's cancer, one of the first frequently reported reactions is shock. So do you have any suggestions or what do you, what do you encounter for people to cope when you are told you got a cancer diagnosis? Well, this is a really, it's a, such a pivotal moment in a person's life. And most people remember the exact day they were diagnosed. They know the moment, the, where they were, everything, because it's that kind of a event. Cancer is such a scary history. And we've done, we've come so far in medicine that it's not the scariest disease as it used to be. But I got to experience firsthand to hear those words in March when I was diagnosed with a stage one cancer. So I understand that time when your brain is processing what is going on and the anxiety of it all. So I've been, I've sat in that chair and know what information I wanted and how I needed to react to that. But here's some overall things that I can share from being a nurse and being around cancer patients when I've worked. I've given chemotherapy as well as worked in radiation. I worked with kids who had cancer. So I've been in all the areas of cancer. And these are some things I've gleaned over my years of working with patients. And one is just to breathe. I've noticed that there are patients who like, they hold their breath and they're like holding their breath for the year of their treatment or whatever. And you really have to breathe. And part of that is to calm down our nervous system because there's so much information running around and so much we were already out in the future with no hair 
hair on our head and fear of dying and all those things come up that may not even be any part of your particular cancer. So remember, cancer is like a thousand different diseases. So where it happens in the body, the staging, the size, the type, how much progress has been made. So even some metastatic cancers, cancers that have spread to other parts of the body are even considered chronic diseases and controlled by drugs just like diabetes or hypertension. So in that first week, if you don't have all the information, all the very specifics of your cancer, try not to catastrophize or be way far down the road than, oh, I have cancer. So this is about breathing. Let's calm down our our nervous system that's on high alert. So it doesn't automatically mean you're going to lose your hair or die soon. So there's so many things that are just personal to you. So I say Stay in your lane, stay in your world and your life and not be thinking about these other things if you can. And this is not going to be like maybe your mom's breast cancer, even five years ago. And I want to, I'd like to reassure people that we have really excellent cancer care in this community. In Northern California, there's several awesome cancer centers with good programs. UC Davis even offers clinical trials. So if you have a cancer type, there might be a trial. You might want to consider that. Clinicaltrials.gov is a website where you can look this up or ask your doctor. So that's one of the first things. The other thing is to shut out other people. Try not to listen to others and their cancer experience unless it is identical to yours. And they can give you tips on how to navigate the journey. For example, can they tell you about how they felt after surgery? Did they need 24-7 care for a few days? The practical things. What was it like with that type of incision or the drains that you came home with? Very practical information. That might be helpful. But you don't need to hear the horror stories by well-meaning friends. And it's amazing how many people, when they hear you have cancer, will share some story that's just not appropriate. So trying to tune out those people and not listen because they don't know your situation. And you can't apply what happened to their aunt 10 years ago to your situation. We have better drugs to control nausea and vomiting. So there's just so many things that are better than they used to be in the past, even a few years ago. The other thing is you're probably going to have more tests as the oncologist puts together the big picture and recommends a course of treatment. So it's finding the skills that help you stay in the unknowing because there'll be that time period while you're waiting for tests that may say if you're going to have chemotherapy or not, or just surgery or just radiation. And so... This is your time to go back to that breathe, meditation, learn the skills that help you as the information is provided to you. Also, if you're going to any appointments, bring someone with you who can be a subscribe or a support person. Take, have them take notes or record the conversation if the doctor will allow it. That way you can have the information to refer to it because in the exam room, it's hard to remember everything that you want to ask the provider. And so then you're not sitting at home worried about, oh, I forgot to ask this. Take all kinds of notes, write down questions as they come to you, even weird, scary ones. It doesn't mean you have to ask somebody, but it gives you a chance to put it down on the page. I also recommend that people cry just because, just because you need to cry. Even if the diagnosis isn't particularly scary, like my diagnosis was not particularly ominous. Write your feelings out. I talked earlier, I'm a big fan of writing, but put stuff down on the page. There's all kinds of things swirling around in your head. And this is a time to put that down to help you cope. Also think about when you're writing, like when you've encountered difficult situations in the past, how did you cope? What worked for you? And particularly what didn't work for you? Did you turn to food or running more than you should? Or what activities did you do that helped you in the past? And also know what didn't help you and try not to let those come back into this experience as well. Also remind yourself of the strengths you have. 
because you've got a lot, your life is, there's a lot of strengths and expertise that you have to navigate this. You are not the person who doesn't know anything. You know a lot about your body and you know a lot about yourself. And so this is a time to really get those strengths up in front and center so that you can call on them as you go through this time. So fill page after page, throw it away. And that's writing is just a way to cry with words. Also find activities that you enjoy and do them. Your mind will still be distracted and processing in the background all that's going on and I'm sure waiting to hear about, but you can still knit or garden. And these activities can help calm the mind and let you keep your energy moving. So for me, when I got my diagnosis, I took on a quilting project that was much different than I usually do. It's kind of like a puzzle and a little more, but it didn't require me to think about design decisions. So that was helpful. So that was, so those are some of the things that you can do in that time period of just pulling your life back. This is my life and this is how I want to do it, even though this new thing called cancer has come in. Terry, that is amazing information. There is, there's a lot of information there. And I'm, I want to recap some of it because before I recap all of it, I think that there's kind of an overall theme to the information that you just gave. And that's, that's really, it's, it's almost, you're getting a plan together here. And so to summarize what I heard is it's kind of like you're getting your team. That's one theme there. And that includes not only just your medical team around you and your role within that medical team, but your friends too. You'd mentioned bring a friend to an appointment with you, someone that you that you trust, not just a, a, like an emotional trust, but somebody who you know can sit and listen to the information and who can take notes and who can help provide information back to you. You'd also mentioned the importance of emotions, recognizing your emotions and sitting with your emotions. And that can be through journaling, that can just be sitting and crying, whatever it is that you need to do in order to address and to acknowledge emotions. Another theme that you had mentioned was the again, this kind of working in with friends, but it's also setting those boundaries. But I think what you were also saying is knowing what those are and asking for those things. I think that's important too. And that could be part of that thing to assess when you first get that diagnosis is know what you need and don't hesitate asking for those things. And then finally, what you were mentioning too is recognize what what gives you joy and recognize your strengths. And so sitting with all of that Two can help level set you. Prior to when we started recording this, we were we were mentioning that you know when you are given the diagnosis, you have a malignancy that so much of who you are, <laughs> the huge vast majority, isn't any different. <laughs> you are still you, and it's recognizing and and knowing that. Can we talk a little bit? about taking and creating this plan, but within within a context of your role within the medical team and being, you know, it's sometimes it's hard, you know, when you have all of these things going on, but you you are you are a member of your own care. And I think that that sometimes having that while you're balancing a lot of these other things when you first get this diagnosis, you're also trying to develop what your role is within your own treatment plan and kind of what your 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 guidance on that. One other thing I'd like to mention about emotions before we talk about you being part of the team sure. is the emotional piece is really important. And one thing that people will start to tell you how you should have your emotions as they find out about your diagnosis, right? Telling you to stay positive and keep looking on the bright side and keep fighting. You're strong. Yeah. Right. (laughs) A lot of people will tell you how you should be. And I think it's really important that you can still be a, a patient going through treatment who can be mad and upset and hateful in that moment. 
and express that emotion and you it's important for you to have that emotion. And that's one thing that as nurses in particular, we're there to hear those stories and for you to have that mad day. And it might appear to a friend that you're not keeping the positive attitude, but you need the freedom to have that day of being mad. And But then you get right back up and you're staying in your plan that you're entitled to have those emotions as you go along the way. And it's not fair for people to say, stay positive, it'll help you. Being negative will not hurt your treatment chances. And afraid and sad and all the rest of it. Exactly, yep. everything. So we have those emotions, honor them. They're not going to live there forever. Yep. But if we try to push them away, I think it's more harmful to our overall well-being. So I just wanted to get that out when we talk about it. And the emotional piece is really important. And that's one piece that you kind of have some control over. Right. And I know... You're the captain of that shit. We do meditations at Wellness Within. And I know some of the meditations we do, it's just as simple. We even like say, you register it and you just say, welcome, welcome fear. That's it. You're not saying I'm embracing, you know, it's not, it's not like I'm going to live in this place of fear. You're just acknowledging it. Right. And being fearful. And you're human. We're meant to have these emotions. Mm -hmm. Being mad is not going to make your chemotherapy not work. Right. Being hateful is not going to stop it. So those are honest, real, that's being real. And this is, you know, it's a real situation. So now you're in charge of your emotions in terms of how you want to process them and and deal with that. But you're also in charge of your your care and your decision-making. You're really the captain of the team. And I think providers, doctors and that are better now at listening to what the patients want. But sometimes it's hard to know what you want when you don't really understand the whole world of this. So it's important to be a respectful part of the team, treat your team members, the providers like you would want to be treated and have a a rapport and have conversations. Be prepared when you come in with questions so that you're having a dialogue and not going to the appointment and just waiting for them to dump information at you. That gives the providers a sense of who you are. So if you're more in charge, you're asking questions, you're questioning things. They're so open to that. They want to know what you're thinking. So that provider is the expert of your tumor, your tumor type, but they're not the expert of you. You understand you and you understand how this has an impact in your life. And you may say, can we do this a different way? This doesn't work for me for this reason, or I don't want to deal with that side effect. So I don't want to do that treatment. You can have those conversations. You might come about and still do the treatment, but you certainly can put that out on the table with your providers. If you have a provider that responds poorly to those kind of questions or thinks they're being questions or gets defensive, then find another provider. So Terry, can we follow up on that thought there, being prepared with questions? Again, everybody's different, but there are certainly folks out there that, you know, you you get a cancer diagnosis and one of the first things you'll some some folks will do is go out to the internet and research their their cancer diagnosis with multiple websites, for example, and information gather. And I say this without any kind of judgment, but what are the pros and cons of gathering information? And do you have any suggestions of maybe some of the best ways to gather information so that you can come prepared to your your appointments and ask questions? I think it's really important to be an informed patient. This is a real slippery slope with the age of Google and Dr. Google and, and all, especially in cancer, all that's out there and all the craziness that lives out there with the, the scientific information. So we always recommend if you're going on websites that you look at ones that end in .org. So like the American Cancer Society, there's the National Comprehensive Cancer Network, NCCN, that has 
excellent patient information. The one thing though, it's hard to go out looking until you have all the specifics of your cancer. If you don't know the stage or the type, because if you type in breast cancer, you'll get millions of options. And the stage one breast cancer and stage four breast cancer are entirely different pathways. So you really have to know what cancer you're looking up before you start looking for information. And so many websites will provide all the details. You're going to get chemotherapy. Not every chemotherapy makes you lose your hair. So these are some of the questions to ask your team about my specific chemotherapy, my surgery, What will I come home with? What will it look like? Will there be a wound? So you can ask specific questions about, will I need care at my house? for What will it be like for the first 24 hours, the first 48? When will I be able to do something? Radiation, what are the impacts of that? So it's going to be daily radiation. So understanding what that means, like you need to come five days a week for your treatment. And that's going to be like a part-time job for some people. By the time you drive there, go through the treatment and go home, it's usually, it could be two to three, four hours a day. So those have huge impacts on your life. So it's understanding the whole scope of things. And if you have circumstances, you're caregiving for us. I've seen spouses, cancer patients whose spouses have dementia and they're, they're a caregiver for them. There's all kinds of considerations. And this is where you need to ask the questions. Let your caregiver, your providers know what your life is like. They will not withhold treatment because you have weird circumstances, but can work with you to do that. Don't get down the road and then end up with a mess because you didn't, weren't willing to have that conversation. But could we do this a little bit differently? Always room for change. I think that's a really critically key important part is really explaining because as part of the, your quarterbacking, really your, your care, even though I think we often think of, and the doctor completely is the medical expert on your, your, your team for sure. But you are, you are quarterbacking your care in the sense that you are living your life (laughs) and, and the doctors don't have telepathy to know just how to adjust. So I think it is important to communicate your needs. And that's an important point to point out for them to know this is my life. You know, you may have children at home or like you just mentioned, a a spouse with dementia or or things to take into consideration so that you can get the best care that you need. And so remember your providers want, once you've all worked, figured out what the treatment, what the cancer is and what the treatment is, their goal is to get you through it. In whatever way they have to do. And so we all work as a team to help you if you've got certain social issues that complicate the situation. And then we'll bring in social workers to help. And there's navigators, peer navigators, patient nurse navigators. There are lots of people at the cancer centers on the team that can help you. But we have to know. We have to understand how this is going to impact your life and what we need to do. Like, Do we have to get you a morning appointment or an afternoon appointment? Talk to us. So sometimes we can't accommodate it, but when we can, we will. As long as you're on our team and we're having a two-way conversation. But thinking about those things in your life. Once you know what the treatment is, how that's going to impact you. Mm-hmm. You're going to need a ride. Terry, this has been so informative and I really appreciate your time today. But before we wrap up, do you have any closing thoughts or remarks on, so you just got a cancer diagnosis and now what? I think one of the most important things is, no, it's a scary thing. It will all be revealed to you. 
in time, you, every step, like you'll, you'll finally have that first chemotherapy treatment and you'll know what that's like. So there's always these unknowns sitting out there. What's my first radiation treatment going to be like? And then it'll become like old hat. You'll understand. So there's all kinds of new things you're going to go through. And that's scary for, you know, for everyone. What's that going to be like? But manage the things that you can control. It's like that kind of go back to stay in your lane. Okay, this is my life. This is what I know. This is what I'm in charge of. What in your life do you need to maybe let go of? Because you've got... Maybe like a new job coming in, which is cancer for six months. So it's just manage the things that you can control. Think about your strengths and try to stay calm. And the one thing I might add is if you don't do it, it's fine meditation or breathing two minutes a day. There's apps that you can use, but things that will calm your nervous system down to help get that chatter that's going on in your head about all these things, because there's a lot coming at you. So stay organized, stay in the game. And every, know that there's lots of people around you. And when people offer help, take it. They offer to do something and say, hey, would you take me to my treatment? Sometimes it's just nice to have someone get you there and not have to worry about parking and all that, even though you can drive yourself. So set things up so you're supported. Excellent. Terry, thank you again for your time today. This is a Wellness Within podcast. If you would like more resources on your cancer journey, Wellness Within has plenty of resources that can be found at wellnesswithin.org. We appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Thanks for letting me be here. <laughs>